victory is only true in fairy tales Earned by other guys, but not by me Luck was out to get me That's the way it seemed When I play squad leader, I get creamed Then I saw that page About a pet peeve Point three, and it's quite the find. BBM. It's called least freezing, but it's not cheating. Lighten up, guys. I thought maybe I should try a different game. Seems the more I played, the more I lost. What's the use in trying? I'll get crushed again When I need a victory I get slain Then I saw that page Now I'm a sleaze freezer Not a trace Of shame in my mind VVM I'm a sleaze freezer I'm not a cheetah Lighten up guys out to get me Well that's the way it seemed Disappointment haunted all my games But then I used that rule Now I'm a sleaze freezer Not a trace of shame in my mind It's your boots I'm a sleaze freezer but not a cheetah Lighten up guys yeah, you read that page Now I'm a sneeze freezer Not a trace Of shame in my mind Said I'm a sneeze freezer Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Two Half Squads. This is the only podcast that is officially endorsed by Multiman Publishing as the best, the only, the greatest podcast. And also by Ritterkrieg. Yeah. It's the only podcast dedicated 100% to Advanced Squad Leader. That's right. And if you go to MMP, they will say, don't even come here. Just listen to the Two Half Squads. Everything you need to know. You'll learn everything you, you don't, need to know. You don't really need the rule book or anything. No, once Just we finish, listen. we're almost we're, we're going to be polishing off that rule book pretty yeah. soon. They're need they're going to need to come out with more stuff. Everything. Yeah, it always slows us down on the rules reviewing product, but we have no product tonight though. So we will be no. bringing you some. Oh wait, we do have product tonight. Yeah, I guess. I'm sorry. I guess we will. I guess that that counts. ASL Journal Seven. Yeah. Lined up for you, and some out of stock and out of print for years. But. Check on fire if we have time to get to it. Fire, do 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 <clears throat> do 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 fire. Jeff, this room looks different. I rearranged the foxhole. I mentioned it briefly in our last episode, and uh, what do you think? You know, I don't know if I like it. <laughs> it's different. Why not? Yeah, I had different. it the other way for. Ever seven years, maybe we've been doing the podcast for nine, nine. years now, and wow. I think after the first year we moved down here, and uh, it's been that way ever since. But I, I needed a change, you know. Sometimes you just want to take out, like, how many times? How often does this happen to you? You got all your ASL stuff there in the counter trays, and you just want to take it out and redo it all. <laughs> Not very often. <laughs> 
But I understand the change thing. I was just thinking the other day, you know. Remember when I grew my hair long? Yeah. And now it's shaved much shorter again. Like, But I was ready for a change. It was either, you know, get a shiny red car, divorce the wife, <laughs> or let my hair grow long. Yeah. I went for that long hair. Yeah. That's and certainly more economical. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have as the last <laughs> lasting uh, implications. Of the car or the yeah. divorce. Yeah. I'd love to see you in the red car, though. <laughs> I think that would be a good look with for you. With the long hair. With the long hair. You know, you looked like an artist. I think you you should have started uh, sporting a beret and an ascot. Well, I think next year when I grow the hair longer during the play with the longer beard. Yeah. Well, I took the beard off too. I'm going to dye it like dark brown oh, yeah. with my original color. Yeah. For a couple weeks before I shave it all off. That would be great. That would be kind of cool. That would really be cool. <laughs> Why not? Why not? We should be able to do that. So yeah, your room is all switched about. Yeah, it's all switched around. It's different. I, I don't know if I like it or not. I Do you want to play? Does this area of the basement make you want to play? Mike was over the other night, and he saw it for the first time. And we tried to play something here. He brought over the Pathfinder. Roll, um, A card game. Card game, yes, which is very popular. First time I'd ever played it, and first time he'd ever played it. It was fun, but I don't know. It was different down here at the other end. I don't know. I might have to move everything back. It was a real pain, too. Oh, my gosh. You did it by yourself? No, Robbie Rob helped me. Below. Yeah. Yeah, she helped. But, you know, and then she said, you want to, you should move this over there. I said, nah, that's enough help, honey. Go upstairs. <laughs> Parts of it I like. You got to give it I time. Like. I wanted to move my guitars and all the music stuff where it was a little more prominent. Yes, that's working. And, uh... Put the TV in a better spot so I could really enjoy the TV. Which now works, thanks to Robbie. And it works because she knows how to wire all that stuff. And what's in the corner where the music used to be, the little between the shelves behind There's me? nothing. Oh, okay. That's going to be my I don't know what. I don't know what. Lots of possibilities. Yeah. So it's different, but it's okay. Well, I had finally gotten to try my new miniature battle rules. Oh, you did? Which are called Open Combat. Two guys made it out Saturday. You know, I put out a late yeah, notice to, yeah. the, to the guys group, not the Paso Club. And uh, Now, why did you pick this rule set out of all the different miniature rule sets there are? Yeah, it was just at the store. You know, oh, okay. At Games you went to Plus. Games Plus? Yeah. I've been looking for a skirmish set for quite a while. Mm-hmm. There was one. Grabbed it. Yeah. Well, I like that. A man who can make a decision. Yep, 50 bucks. You didn't have to go online and look for the one that was the best. No, no research yeah. at all. Good. Figure what the heck. And um, ended up being very enjoyable. It's got a little thing where there's a pushback, so the the two figures go toe-to-toe. And if you roll, up, you can do a, a serious wound or a minor wound or a pushback or no effect. And... The pushback, they have to go back an inch, and then you can follow up. Oh, and at yeah. first, right. I'm kind of like, gee, all these pushbacks on this game system seems like a waste of time. But it started to matter, because if you're pushing them back into something, they take additional hit. Right. So it kind of makes you want to surround your enemy, makes that more dangerous, back against the wall kind of thing. You do that for protection, no one behind you to hit at you, but... You also, if you get a pushback, take an extra hit. Um, and it's it's can be historical or fantasy-based. Good thing. You can, I can break out. So we broke out. Rick played uh, orc bow unit, maybe like eight figures, and infantry orcs. Okay, so historical. <laughs> Good. Good. History, according to Tolkien. Yeah. And Justin played... A group oh, of barbarians. Yeah, he hasn't been out in a little while. Yeah, um, barbarians, maybe eight, nine of them in a unit, and then some gnolls. D and D, and then the point systems. You, they're it's open, it's variable, totally. Which at first then I didn't like. I'm like, oh no, I don't like that. I like stats. Well, he has two pages of stats for stuff like the zombie unit and the orcs and so on. So we use that as the base. But then the more I think about it. Uh, the more I'm okay with it. You you have to kind of assign movement points, defense, you know, attack, values. 
and uh, you could and then in your mind be rationalizing like, well, these knolls are especially quick ones or whatever, and then you can add uh, increase their movement point, and you get 150 points total, and then you come up with a leader. And then to work in magic, it wasn't a big magic system, which I was kind of hoping for. So a little disappointment, but, you know, it'll work out because I've got enough gaming experience to come up with things. And he's saying, basically, you know, shooting a magic missile, you're shooting an arrow. Yeah, okay. It could be the same yeah, thing. right. So, and then there are some abilities like Intimidate, some of those things you might be familiar with yeah. from role-playing. Yes. That are exist, and those also can be used as spells, you know. And you can invent yeah. your own. Okay. Um, but you got to figure out their value and stuff. So so he does have shamans, wizards in his army setups, and he gives them special, uh, some of those abilities like intimidate, you know. And so you just drew uh, figures from your own store of <laughs> gigantic store. How many figures do you have painted? You well, think? it's, a, it's a th- four, probably closer to 14,000 now. <sighs> but... Most of the, a lot of those thousands are the 15 millimeter miniature armies that I painted and oh. don't play a lot with. Yeah, I really need to break them out because I was just fanatic on it. I just build a Roman army, a Celtic army, a you know Egyptian, all kinds of things. Each of those is like 400, 500 figures an army. But the miniatures around the walls are all the mostly the D and D figures. Yeah, right. And they're 25 millimeter size. And those, those are the ones used for this skirmish yeah. thing? Okay. Right, because I'm looking yeah. at them going, wow, I have like 30 gnolls. Yeah. I ought to be able to put a little army unit together. Yeah. Now we can. So we're going to do it again. You should try and come to the Nice. How one. big was the play the play space that you needed? Uh, they recommend a 24 by 24. Oh, that's not bad. Small. Yeah. Uh, I widened it out, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like fun. And it plays mm-hmm. relatively quickly. Yeah. So, were and you on that invite list still? Or did I, I was, yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. leave you on. You Great. Come try it. Yeah, I'd like to try it. Sounds good. So, what do we got for our ASL fans tonight? Well, we got ASL stuff. Let's start off with some letters. Letters, 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 letters. Letters, 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 letters. A, B, C, D, G. Letters, 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 letters. All I right. Put words to it. <laughs> letters, letters. You do letters, like those complicated letters, lyrics, letters, like letters, that Hawaiian song last yeah. show. Oi. Aloha, oi. It's Hawaiian and uh, Yiddish. <laughs> I would like to say thanks for the kind donations. Derek and kind donation from Preston do you have a letter there Jeff from then we have a couple of mean donations no we don't oh should we talk about our patron subscribers yes we should we thank them yes we should we, Where are we going to find and, that notification? And as we mentioned uh, last episode, there are a number of ways that you can support this podcast. One would be to go on iTunes or any place where you listen to this podcast and rate us. That always helps. You can call in and tell us what a great job we're doing. You could write us an email and tell us what a great job we're doing. You could send us regular mail and tell us what a great job you're doing. We don't really care about any of that stuff, though. If you want to send us actual products, there you go. Now you're, getting, so. now you're getting somewhere. Yep. And then we'll review it on the show for yep. you. If you would like to go to our website and click on the donate button, you can donate to us through PayPal. Or if you have a mind, you can go to patreon.com slash the two half squads and subscribe. And every time we post an episode, you'll get dinged. One dollar. Is that too much to ask? That is not too much. Helps to support the show, helps to keep up our enthusiasm. I mean, we're 176 episodes into this. You got to, or 180. So if you're just getting on board now, 
you got 180 free episodes. Now you're going to start playing, paying a dollar an episode. That's not too much to ask, I don't think. Not too much to ask. We like to thank Ryan E. Yep. And Jeff D. Yep. For pledging on Patreon. Thank Jeffrey you. Jeffrey F. Yep. Paco M. Are all the uh, trailblazers. Yeah. First ones in. Yep. It's great. Like the Marines. Yes. First ones in. They run toward, when there's a donation thing going on, they run toward it. That's right. Just like the Marines. So thank you, everybody, for your support. Any way you can support the show. If you want to hear more episodes, you got to support the show. Otherwise, we're just going to fade away, diminish into the West like Galadriel. Yes, we just might. Yeah. My, my wife loves the Lord of the Rings movies, often quotes them. And, you know, I'll say, uh, she'll say something like, I'm tired. I think I shall just diminish into the West <laughs> like Galadriel. <laughs> I don't know she's going to bed, but yeah. Oh, no. So anyway, letters. We've got some You've letters. You've got one there? I have one here from Derek Rowe. Derek wrote, uh, left a comment on episode 177, Dashing to Roche, and he wrote, What a fantastic interview. Michael is very well-spoken and kept me very interested right to the end. I would like to extend my thanks to you guys for putting all the effort and to bring this great podcast to life. Both of you should be extremely proud of what you've accomplished the last nine years. It shows dedication and love to ASL itself and to all those who play the game. Hope to continue listening for years to come. Cheers. Another gamer from Alberta, Canada, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, Derek. You make us proud. General Jeff, also May 18th, we announced a hat contest yes the hat contest and they had three weeks so that would be may 25th june 1st and now june 8th to enter too late to mention it on this show yeah we should should we just draw the hat earlier yeah let's do okay um we'll interrupt letters for a moment no let's do it at the end of letters okay Keep everybody on the edge of their seats. They're like, oh, we want to know, no. Yes. I have a letter here from David G. David says, hello and well met. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. I also like the production quality. I play guitar and sing and run the soundboard. So he has uh, some background in this. Uh, I'm just getting back into the game after a long hiatus. Much has changed. I'm hoping to rely on your undoubtedly more current knowledge than what I can find on the net. I'm trying to assemble a complete Chapter H. I've tried eBay, Noble Knight Games, MMP to no avail. As you know, many of the modules are out of production. Some do not look likely to make it back in production soon. When you can find a module, they're exorbitantly priced sometimes. I'm not seeking charity. I work and pay my own bills. I would be happy to pay for a nationality section. Whatever the person felt fair. Heck, could give five bucks a nationality for decently legible original of the Chapter H sections. Mm -hmm. So H is the... Vehicles. Okay. You know, I don't think I ever... I think I have my old Chapter H. So, but let's put it out here for the listeners. But he wants it complete, so he he wants all that. And he actually has Germany, Finland, the Soviets, the U.S., China, the Allied Miners... I have the H notes for that. However, these are the only modules I've been able to locate. I'm very interested in the H sections for France, the Commonwealth, Japan, Italy, Axis Minor. I had very bad luck with this. I purchased the old Kotobushido and the counters and maps and no Chapter H. It was used, so he didn't complain. Also got the Axis Minor counters with nothing else in the box. Again, my fault for not finding out beforehand. That is horrible. That is horrible. Yeah, so listeners. Shame on that person for selling it in that condition. Listeners, come to David's Aid. I'll have to look at my basement also. And let us know. As soon as you just post, if you can help out with those Chapter H's, uh, let us know. And then we'll give you his address um, to mail them out to him. Sound like a plan? That sounds exactly like a plan. I've got a little stiff neck here, Dave. I'd like to, to do about it. To also remind everybody uh, about the uh, 
Mayhem in Manila coming up. <sighs> Keep stretching it out. I, <laughs> I don't like to bring my aches and pains to the show, but my neck has really been stiff. I went to a masseuse. You know, that doesn't do anything. You ever been to a masseuse for an ailment? A stiff something or other? Not for an ailment. No. Just for fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't do anything. The nice thing about this massage parlor was it was um, four doors down from Games Plus. Oh, it was? Yeah. Gave you an excuse to go over there? Yes, it did. But, man... I'd also like to point out that this show is brought to you from kind donations from Matt. And we want to remind everybody that we have sponsors. Bounding Fire Productions. Bounding Fire Productions, creators of great stuff from Bounding Fire Productions. I'll put the hands in. Yeah. Thank you, Sam yep. Tyson. Um, and Ritter Creek. Do you have a letter from... Blogger contact form? I've got a letter from Blogger contact form. Good day, Dave and Jeff. You know, we haven't been doing our accents lately. No, we need to. Let's, let's whip them out. Good day, Dave and Jeff. Have been listening to your podcasts and trying to catch up. I'm still only up to episode 40. I find your work entertaining and informative. Job well done. Regards, Xchuk. Note, this email was sent via the contact form gadget. I like to read the entire thing. I don't want to leave anything out of there. But anyway, thank you for writing us, X Chook. Yes, an anonymous posted. Um, oh, I love that guy. Does anyone have a bonsai chart? Bonsai chart? Do we need a chart charts? for bonsai? bonsai? A flow chart. Is it that complicated? Does Spilky have a bonsai chart? He does not. Okay. I should whisper this in Rich's ear. Rich, bonsai chart. Yeah, yeah. We don't believe there is one. No, I don't think so. But we encourage someone, if you know of one. I mean, there's not a human wave chart, is there? Similar. I don't think so. But no, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, probably be a good idea. Do you have a letter from Henny Vandersalm? So, yeah, listeners, let us know if you know of any bonsai charts. Yeah. We'll let them know. Henny Vandersalm has written us, and he says, Hi, Jeff and Dave. This is Henny from your favorite country, the Netherlands. I just wanted to let you mm-hmm. know that I appreciate the show a lot. I started listening in June 2016 with Episode 1 and just finished catching up with Episode 178. That's a lot in one year. That's a lot. Uh, having to drive a lot is nice when listening to podcasts. In the last year, I haven't been able to play much, so listening to an ASL podcast is a good substitute. I really like the roundtable discussions, the interviews, and the banter. Now I'm off to start listening to the extra shows, and hopefully you'll make many, many more shows. What's this rumor you're, not, you're, you're going to stop at show 200? Please continue the show after 200. Hopefully I get to meet you at one of the tournaments in the future, I remember seeing you at previous tournaments, like the ASL Open in 2012, and I heard my name my name mentioned in a couple of uh, a couple of times in episode 67. In your last yeah. show, you mentioned the flak bunkers. Oh yeah, which we did, which we had a link to. Yeah, I visited one of the flak bunkers in Berlin in 2015 and did a tour inside. Unfortunately, taking pictures was prohibitive. Oh, prohibitive! What, what, top secret? What's... Yeah, I can't. That's really interesting that they don't allow that. Uh, but if you look at this website, and he puts a link there, uh, you'll get an idea of what the flak bunkers look like from the inside nowadays. Rally well and low low, <laughs> roll low, but not when you're playing me. <laughs> Regards, Henny. And uh, how lucky he was to get inside one of those flak bunkers. But, yeah, it's really interesting. Why would they not allow photos, do you suppose? Don't want people yeah, imitating I it? I do not know. Should I turn the broadcast foxhole into a flak bunker? I don't think we need to worry about it. 
And we have one more? We do. Why, I have a letter right here from David G. again about playing time. Greetings and salutations. Just Hello. curious, gentlemen. Do you ever play your listener scenarios? If so, have any of these sent you a scenario that you particularly enjoyed? be interesting to find out which nationalities you both like to play the most since everyone I have met who plays has a favorite. May you both always roll low and battle hard. I'm leaning toward the Japanese lately. Really? Mm-hmm. Because of their... Uh, well, the variety, the striping. Striping the instead of breaking is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, the stealthy stuff, the hip advantages yeah. time so i think if you really like infantry engagements then the japanese can be a lot of fun yes if you like a lot of chrome armor kind of thing you're not going to find that no i'm thinking more of definitely the russians yeah later war yes um, yeah stalin twos that kind of stuff yeah vehicles i don't, I don't, don't really do i have a favorite um You know, I guess I really don't. I, I I do like playing the Americans, but I hate to say that because I, I feel like it's I, it shouldn't be allowed. No, it's allowed. I like the <laughs> Americans. I do like playing the Americans. I don't know. There's something about the simplicity of playing. It, they they're just simple. seem like they're simple. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to break and come back. Yeah. Other than that, well, they're... Good firepower usually, right? Yes. And usually plenty of leaders. Mm-hmm. So, and toys. Yeah. And playing listener scenarios, we do still have a collection for our pack, the Task the Squad scenario pack, pack yeah. which... It only gets better with age. It's, That's why right, we haven't released been, it yet. Which, now think about it. I think it's been about two years since we first sprung the idea. People emailed us. Yeah. I got two more years till I'm retired. Okay. I think that's going to be job yeah. one. So it's expected in 2019. Some <laughs> I know, but, but, but Very think attainable. about it. Do you know how fast that's going to go? I know. I mean, Before really, you know it, it'll be here. We've been doing this nine years. Yeah. Two more, going to be nothing. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my plan. Unless I could suddenly this summer suddenly go, oh, I'm bored. You know, remember the days when 20 years seemed like just forever, uh-huh. like unbelievably forever yeah. and now i look back on 20 years and it's like wow that was yesterday it is crazy time is crazy yeah, very, how, very how old do you think we can get and still be playing asl oh old well me my mind will go first but for you probably a long time how old 80 yeah i think i could still play so when i'm 80 i get bored i mean i don't know what changes? What do you think? I'm going to start going after the ladies when I'm 80. <laughs> I'm bored with squad leader. I'm going to get me a, a woman. Yeah, I guess traveling will become very difficult. I wonder, you know, I, what I'm going to do. Yeah, my mom doesn't my like time. to get around a lot anymore. Yeah. 84. I, I don't really want to just sit and watch TV, but they're, you know, lately, I don't know if you've been on Netflix lately, but. No. It just seems like, and maybe they're just putting more stuff in my feed because i like world war ii stuff but there have been tons of new documentaries and things and they've been playing stuff from the 40s like um why we fight by frank capra that whole series yeah yeah yeah. we're talking about that and then they played one the other or they didn't play it the other night but i saw one the other night um it was about tunisia the battle in tunisia this Documentary came out in about 1943, but it was all about the Americans landing in Tunisia and yeah. joining up with the Brits, and it was fascinating. Great yeah. footage I hadn't seen and before. And I don't, I don't hear a lot about that. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff to be watching. Well, time for our free hat. Oh! Are you going to roll a die? Yes. It's three people. Three people. Okay. So, if you so, got a six-sider or whatever... You know, they do make three-sided dice. We got them at Gen Con. I remember that. Okay. One and two will be Alan Hume. Okay. Three and four will be Jim Barra. 
Alan Hume in Scotland? Uh-huh. It's going to cost us a lot to ship it over there. Yeah. Five and six, Ryan Ellett. Here we go. Good luck, ladies. And it's five. Ryan Ellett, you have just won the free hat. He asks, now this is a two half squads fedora, correct? It's a fedora. <laughs> Why not? And I don't think he said signed. So I will reply to him right now. Okay. And thank you, other uh, contestants, for entering. Wow, three entries. <laughs> One wanted it signed. Makes you wonder. Is anybody out there? I had a fedora once. Aren't what is that? Just like the Frank Sinatra hats? It's like uh, right? Indiana Jones. Okay. The I had an Indiana Jones hat. Yeah, but you looked good in it. I looked fantastic in it. I knew how to wear it. Oh, very few people know yeah. how to wear it. Yeah. Okay. And what's Everybody, next? Everybody, it's time for. You know what? In the box. box. What in the box? What is in the box? I think we should today. change the title of this sh of this segment to "What in the Box" because <laughs> we're busy. We don't have time for what's. <laughs> what in the box? So what is in the box, it is Dave? ASL Journal Issue 7. What a surprise! Journal 7. Do you want to start off with us? Or should we go in order and see who... Let's. Should we flip in order? Sure. Of what? Of the magazine? Flip the order? Yeah. I have it on my tablet here, my handy tablet, because I didn't have the original. I actually found a um, digital version. Okay, intro is uh, the rules changes, the debriefing, the yeah, corrections. Yeah, the debriefing. Did you read through that? Uh, when I got it, I read through it and wrote them into the rules. Oh, good. Yes, I'm so that is kind this, of a fanatic. Would this have been in the ASLRB2? Uh, do not know. Yeah, I don't either. But at the beginning it says, a comprehensive list of all the official errata is maintained on our website at www.multimanpublishing.com slash ASL slash ASKQA.php. I wonder if that's still up. Do not know. Yeah. Yeah, oh no, it's up. It's up there. They, okay. They still do that. So there's a page of errata. Then you to, go into the Blue yeah. Devils. Did you do that one? Uh, no. I think I assigned it to me and I, I never got it done. But it's one of those Steve Swan articles. Uh, the Blue Devils is the Croatian First Light Infantry Parachute Battalion and how you could use them into ASL. So he organizes it into a company headquarters with a 9-1-8-1-8-0 leader, two half squads, two light machine guns, heavy weapons platoon would have four crews, two medium machine guns, and two 81 mortars, millimeter mortars, rifle platoon, Different in 42 to 43 versus 1944 plus. The 44 plus would have a 537 squad and then two 447 squads and then a crew with a mortar. That would be what a typical platoon would look like for the Croatian Cro first Croatians. light yeah, yeah. infantry. Yeah, That's and this two pager. This was kind of interesting. I, I didn't know anything about the Croatians. and uh, But I did note this part where he says an, an SSR should treat squads and half-squad morale as underlined, preventing their reduction to lower-quality troops. Are there any other... I yes. I shouldn't ask all these questions because Un I just reveal my ignorance. <laughs> yeah, underlined uh, morale so that they can't be reduced. Yeah, SS. No, that's false. I should know Marines. that, but I, I can't... Marines? Yeah. Oh, Okay. And someone else, or a couple other types. They are reduced to two half squads instead of to a lower um, level squad when they fail. ELR. Okay. Yeah. And then he also says here that uh, an SSR should invoke no quarter against the partisans. 
I guess that just just to make it they hate historically yeah they hate correct. partisans they yeah they're probably out there fighting. There's a little historical background too. Yeah, in there, interest, so. which was very interesting. And it sounds like it wasn't a a big group, but played a uh, important role, nonetheless. Yeah, like for example, the first armed clash between the partisans and the Croats paratroopers occurred on September third, nineteen forty-three, with six paratroopers being captured by a local partisan band. Soon thereafter, the largest battle fought by the Croatian paratroopers began when the Serbian Partisan headquarters decided to attack the town of Koprivnica. So, yeah, a lot of history there. Yeah. Next up is the Commissar. Did you do that one? I did. Interesting article by Bruce Probst about the Commissar. This is uh, the article is called The Commissar Dialectic. And uh, he pretty much just covers uh, details on using the Commissars. I'll just read a couple of the parts here that he that he wrote. He says Russians, including Russian partisans, may use commissars in scenarios set in October 1942 or earlier. The ASL rules touch on this date limitation briefly in footnote 18 to chapter O, Red Barricades. It's because on the 9th of October, Stalin issued Decree 307, which removed commissars from the chain of command and relegated them to advisory positions effective November 1st of 1942, this was done specifically to improve army morale, <laughs> which, which I thought was pretty funny, and I'll bet that was very effective, because we saw how uh, we know how brutal they could be. Uh, later on, he says commissars are always considered superior, superior to all other leaders in ASL. Therefore, they always are the first units to take a morale check. When a 10-neg-0 and a 9-neg-0 are stacked together, the higher morale unit goes first. But note that in no other respect is a 10-neg-0 superior to a 9-neg-0. As the superior, but, you know, if one was a commissar, then it would be superior. If the 9-neg-0 was a commissar, it would be superior. Mm-hmm. Note that in no other respect, oh, he says, um, they are exempt from loss leader morale checks and loss leader task checks. So a 9-neg-0 will ignore the breaking or death of a 10-neg-0. And these commissars can even cause cause LLMCs or LLTCs to other non-commissar leaders, even those of higher morale, which is kind of interesting. Commissars must attempt the rally of other friendly broken units in the same location. Yes, it's not optional. It is not optional. So the good news is that such units being rallied are immune to DM status. That's always good. As well as benefiting from the plus Plus one one to to morale, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The bad news is if the rally attempt fails, multi-man counters are replaced. The next lower quality unit? Yeah. And if they get to the lowest, they're half squatted, I think. Uh yes. Squads suffer casualty reduction if no lower quality type units are available. Yeah, that's not so good. Yeah. Leaders also, if there are leaders in there and they take they take it uh, if they lose, they are eliminated instead of broken. Eeks. Broken sc- crews and half squads that cannot be replaced are also eliminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's risky. That's where you could start shooting people. Yeah. Uh, the other problem with commissars is if a commissar goes berserk, all the other friendly units in the hex, is that, in, in the location. Is that automatic? Automatically go berserk. Oh. Unless they're immune to heat of battle. Commissars never suffer from disruption. They merely break. Um, and then he lists some pros and cons, and I, I like this part here on page... Where are we? Page seven. seven. It says well, he's talking about um, the Red Chinese commissars. He says here this means that even the lowly broken conscript half squad will rally on a die roll of seven, which are pretty good odds. Oh, he says note: Red Chinese commissars are a kindler, gentler breed. Kinder. Yeah, I think he meant kinder, oh. but he wrote kindler. <laughs> So gentler breed. So they start fires a lot. That's what I thought. <laughs> I 
those red Chinese commissars, you know, they're all a bunch of pyromaniacs. <laughs> and he talks about the pluses and, you know, the pros and cons of having a commissar. He says, remembering, uh, remember, of course, that every ASL scenario is unique. I would offer the following rule of, rule of thumb concerning commissar substitution. A Russian partisan 8-0 would always be substituted for a 9-0 unless you expect to need to rally a lot of conscript units. Oh, because if they're conscripts, they get, they get half-squatted Ex instead of lowered. Exactly. Uh -huh. Okay. Good advice. The best use for... Best use for a 9-0 is really in the rear, in the safe rally terrain where he'll look after the screaming cowards that run back to him. However, they can also be useful in the front line, preventing the cowering of crucial machine guns, for instance. So, and he has a couple of other little tips there, which I won't go into. So, an interesting little article about it. Yeah, so I guess if you're, if you're substituting the ones with the neg modifier, that makes it more... Uh, a little more of a penalty. Yeah. And that's why he likes the 8-0 for the 9-0. Yeah. Yeah, and in the back is, is pretty good because they're going to be routing off the board anyway if they don't rally. You know, uh, closer right. to the edges. Yeah. Or, or closer to the vital areas that you have to keep them in. Yeah. Yeah. Next article, OVHS is Operation Veritable Historical Module. Mm -hmm. Which I do not have. Yeah, I think I see Operation Watchtower over there. Yes. Right. Right. You certainly have Operation I, I certainly do, and I yeah. started playing them all with Dave Timonen. <clears throat> I think we played maybe like four or five. I would like to go back and finish them. The, um, did I assign this to you? But You did, yeah, and it looks like fun. I, I've not seen it before, but it looks like fun. It's late war, uh, and late war means there's lots of cool hardware in it, I Yeah, think. Uh, also, did you put a, a lot into this or no? Because I played. You know, I just, did a, I just did a read-through on it. Okay. So, and he's, talk, he's talking he's specifically here about Got Milk, which is one of the scenarios. He says it gives a, it gives you a real taste of what Operation Veritable was like, what the rest of the scenario pack is like, or that the other scenarios are like. He kind of goes over some of the pros and cons of this particular scenario, the pros on the German side and the pros on the, the um, British side, or the Canadians, I guess. This is the Canadians. That's right. Mm -hmm. Germans yeah. against the Canadians. Mm -hmm. Um, and he gives a really good, I, I think this would be a good article for somebody who has not played a lot of ASL because it gives them a good way of looking at both sides of a scenario and taking in different considerations about lines of sight and when you're looking at your order of battle and thinking, gee, I, I've only got this many units where the other guy has that many units. Well, he's talking about that here. The Germans have a distinct number disadvantage, but they also have a sand number of five They've got a higher morale. Oh, that's big. Yeah, the sand number is very big. They got a higher morale. They've got a couple of pretty good sized tanks. The Canadians also have some very big tanks, but they've got a lower morale, lower sand number. So he does a good job of sort of weighing things back and forth, and it kind of gives you an idea too of how a scenario is put together so that it's balanced. Uh, and then he goes into some detail on setting up the German defense, how you might set up a German defense or a Canadian defense. Let's see, I highlighted a part here that I liked where he just says, for instance, and he, he's, he gives a lot of examples of, for instance, you could do this, or you might do that, or you might consider this. Here he says, the Germans could place hip multi-man counters in the cellar of T-10 or a L11, mm. with the idea that they remain there until the Canadian brothers find them. More realistically, perhaps, the squads fighting in those buildings could move into the cellars to fire at anyone entering above them and the open terrain adjacent. However, these cellars are not fortified, so any Canadians who do survive German fire can freely move down into close, into combat. close combat with them. So there. not only does is he giving you different examples of how you could do your setups, but also through that, he's kind of teaching you on what some of the strategy might be and kind of what the rules are, too. So, pretty good article. I thought it read, read really well, and uh, it's, it's pretty extensive. Not having any familiarity with the boards, I was a little bit of a disadvantage. Yes, and a lot of the scenarios in that game, the, the Germans flooded that area. Right. Um, yes, I was reading some of the history about Operation Veritable, which took place 
very close to the end of the war after Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. Um, and I always like to read these tips from the trenches, shall I? Yes. If your defense depends on placing a residual firepower counter in a particular hex, make sure you have enough initial firepower to overcome the column shifts required when your opponent lays down some smoke between you and your target. Remember, the smoke in your fire's hex or along the line of sight reduces resid by a, a column for each die roll modifier. Smoke in the target hex does not reduce the residual firepower, but does modify its attack. And then, yeah, <clears throat> gets us to the hungry, hungry hippies. Uh, before we get to hungry hippies, yes, I saw this a word from the editors. Oh yeah, what's in where, there? Where they just write about upcoming what, games. What has come up? Which, and in this case, Armies of Oblivion was just released, so they talked about that a little bit. But here at the end, they say, plus there are. The usual historical modules, lurking just over the horizon. Some of these include, in no particular order, Sword and Fire, Manila. Manila. That's, they're still working on that. They're still working on that. Uh, Ortana, still working on that. Yeah. Little Stalingrad, Red October. That's uh, going to be the summer, I'm betting. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and Festung Budapest, which we know which has out. just come out. And the Finnish, mod, Finnish module of Hakapali. But even, even this, so going back... I don't know how many years ago this was, maybe five years ago or six. Um, still stuff coming up. Yeah, and now Korea's moved up into the front, yeah, I think, right. of some of those other ones. Yeah. So, so yeah, and then Mark <coughs> had wrote an article in here. Mark Tuberculosis? <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> you decided we would say his name again, didn't you? Yeah. Mark Pitkavich? Yeah. Okay. He wrote a nice article on hidden initial placement. And one yeah. of the things he points out right here is that there's two basic tenets of HIP, no matter what the situation or strategy. The first is that there should always be a specific rationale for each unit. The second is less <sighs> obvious. In some cases, the real power of a hidden initial placement guy hidden off board written down on the side is a potential threat if your opponent thinks he's out there he may move slower so it's not always good to reveal it yes potential threat of keeping one hidden out there yeah inexperienced players he says deal with facing hip units with more more poorly than experienced players do because they cannot yet adequately assess the real threat value of a hidden unit experienced players um, are more likely to take it in stride. And typically, there are two broad postures for HIP units. Such units can be placed strategically to achieve goals related to victory or tactically to achieve combat-related goals. So strategic would be using HIP units for control of objectives and that kind of thing. And, the, for example, the defender defends the building's but also places a hip squad in the upper level of one of them. If you don't find that hidden guy who can who has the building at the end of the game, your enemy does, right? Right. Another variation is to put that hidden guy right outside of that hex, and then he can move it near the end game to retake that victory hex. So that's a great use. I've been doing that for quite a while with hiddens. Then there is the rear placement he's talking about in such circumstances a defender hips a unit in or near one of the most remote or rearward victory locations you're essentially counting on is one or more of three things during the course of the scenario the attacker will have forgotten about checking for hip or two by the end of the scenario the attacker will have been so depleted that he may be faced with two or more possible locations for hip but won't have the resources to check them all. Yeah, daddy -o. Or... They are hip. Oh, <laughs> they are hip. <laughs> or three, by the end of the scenario, the attacker will have been so depleted that he may not... He may be able to uncover the hip unit. He won't have enough strength left to fight it. Yeah, man. I ain't got the strength left to fight it. 
Although hip units can be used strategically to win a scenario as outlined above, players will use hip units far more often to achieve tactical goals. This guy's role is to cause casualties. Mm. He makes a good point about placing them with a purpose. Wouldn't wouldn't you always do that, though? I should start that. (laughs) (laughs) Next game, I'm going to start that. Never yeah. thought of that. See, I remember learning all these things in games. Like, originally I would place them to get a neg two shot at an adjacent unit. Yeah. That would be my big thing. Yeah. Then I realized, oh, wait, you can hide them in the building, just like he's talking about. Yeah. Or hide out next door and then run in at the end. Ooh, I beat Chris that way. He thought yeah. it was pretty cheesy. Kind of is, but. It kind of is. But you got to learn to search. and Yeah. You have to. That's the thing. And yeah. it can be done. You can do that. You can take the time. And I like what he says when. Uh, you know, the more experienced player knows how to, obviously, is going to know how to deal with those. Not going to be as tentative. Yeah. And then he has these four broad categories. The first is the sparkly lure. Second, the little friend. Three, the kamikaze. And four, the poison pill. Very clever titles. The sparkly lure involves deception. Use the hip to make a strong position look weak. The little friend is the one that's hidden in a section of the building, so the guy goes around your building so he doesn't have to face the troops he sees, and then the little friend pops out Ah. and shoots him to defend the other side of the building. Yes, brilliant. It can similarly be used to target enemy armor. This can be especially useful guarding against an armor-fighting vehicle entering the hex of your kill stack in order to prevent it from shooting out. Oh, yes, brilliant. Yep. A hip little friend might be able to destroy the armor-fighting vehicle using street fighting, even, or lighting a tank weapon. Then the kamikaze. This is the pure ambush in initial placement. Solely for causing enemy casualties. The location may have nothing to do with the victory condition or overall goal, but it may be an out-of-the-way brush hex. But the subsequent survival of the hip unit is not important. It is to get the ambush and take out a target. Yeah, I like the sound of that, really. I think that's the kind that's usually the kind I set up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's got it's got some uh it's just sexier. Mm-hmm. The poison pill. It's involves hipping a unit in a location that will be bypassed by the flow of the combat. And at some later point, he will unhip so he can wreak havoc in the enemy's rear. Ow. Yikes. Cutting off route paths. Advancing into close combat against adjacent broken enemies. DMing enemies. Now, that's always good for the Japanese, too. Yeah. Because you can be passed through in Pacific terrain and not be discovered. If it's in in regular jungle, uh, not light jungle, I think. Just regular uh, jungle, you can get uh, through. Something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's more. I think there's more terrain than just that. Okay. And a variation on that is to put two half squads in the same location. Uh, to what end? Because then you reveal one, and the defender doesn't know there's another one in oh. there. He may jump on that little half squad, and then find out there's another hidden one, which gives him the ambush rolls, right? Concealed. That's not fair. That's great. That is not sneaky. fair. It's very sneaky. Then there's the invisible man. The above trick can also be done with a hip multi-man counter or single-man counter option, which leads naturally to the next question, when should a leader be hip? In many cases, players should be cautious about hipping a leader because the leader will be unable to do all those other duties that you need him for. Yeah. So, But you might. can help in close combat. He doesn't know he's there. He can stay concealed. And for the Japanese, they have the very famous tank hunter heroes. Oh, yes. Now, they can set up all or some of them uh, hip in certain year, 1944-45. And there's a lot of advantages to that, he points out. Yeah. And you get a lot of them. Well, you get 10%, 10% of your OB can be tank hunter hero, something like that. Um, 
Yeah, it's assigned. Is it assigned that way? I think yeah, so. I think so. And it does say here that um, if an enemy unit advances into the Tank Hunter Heroes Hex or into Jungle Kunai Bamboo Terrain, and if it ends its movement in such a hex, since the Tank Hunter Hero can remain hidden in such circumstances, close combat will ensue. The Tank Hunter Hero is concealed and stealthy. The attacker may well be CX or have a plus one ambush die roll for advancing yeah. into jungle. Probably. And kunai, which I think I forget that one a lot. Yeah. Then he has a good chance to ambush and get a kill with negs on the hand-to-hand. Now, I thought, so I guess when you move into its hex, it's eliminated. But if it advances into a tank hunter hero's hex. Oh, we had this happen not that long ago. You're right. We looked that up on one of our games. Yeah. In the um, St. Louis game. Yeah. The big one. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Then he can stay in attack. Yeah. So I got to remember that. And then near the end here, he's talk is quite a lengthy article. Biggest fear, oh, is placing your gun, hidden placing your guns, which we covered a lot on the show. Pretty standard ideas here. You can hide them on the sides where tanks will go by, try and yeah. get side shots, rear shots. Um, of course, put it in your defensive big building you got to hold. Then troops have to come adjacent. You get all the negs for the uh, critical hits and so on like that. He says, think about covered arc movement. It's difficult in some terrain than others. That Orchards can be hidden. Easier to turn your covered arc in an orchard could be a good place for you. And it talks about two types of defensive benefits. Pillbox, stone buildings, and rubble. Oh, for putting your gun into buildings, of course. Oh, he points out rubble hexes are less accessible while bamboo hexes may reign supreme, although there's a catch. Guns cannot be emplaced in bamboo, although they may still be hidden, which means the gun will only have the plus one TEM for bamboo. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you couldn't emplace it in bamboo. Yeah, it makes sense. Hmm. It's never come up. Yeah, players should keep in mind the accessibility should need not be determined by the terrain in a hex. It can be determined by the terrain around the hex. If you set it up hidden by a cliff protects you a stream makes people difficult to get into your hex and then he talks about um, the idea of hiding something already hidden isn't contradictory enough the solution is more so you camouflage something that is hidden by putting something visible there yes so does that make sense yeah it does even experienced players looking for likely hidden instinctively look at vacant hexes yeah not that's very true and you can always start with like some concealed dudes in the hex with the hip, and then first turn, move them over a little bit, and then you kind of forget, oh, that hex yeah. had something in it, so it's probably not hidden. Yeah. Yeah, or start a, um, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, another sneaky tacket, tactic is to hip two units in the same hex, like he already said that. Yes, he did. Oh, and then reveal, reveal one, one and move it. Yeah. Yeah. And in conclusion here, in certain situations, it may pay to forego hip altogether. Once more, the goal is to mislead the enemy. If your opponent's carefully counting units and counters, he'll probably be surprised when all of your OB is on board. I don't think that's good advice. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Forego um, it just to confuse him a little? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think many people would fall for that, other than me. <laughs> but Rich Rich has always been really, he's always really good about counting, counting. the units. Yes, He'll he always is. say, okay, now, oh, you've revealed that guy, and he's got a little list going. He's really good with that, which is smart. Yep, yes, indeed. Oh, this is continued. I'm sorry. Then there's the scenarios. A lot of famous ones. Extracurricular activity, yeah. Yelnia Bridge, yep. Lennon Sons, Flanking Flamethrowers, Borodino Train Station. I think maybe I attended an ASL Open on the year this came out. That's why I know so many of these. I played them all. A lot of good ones. <clears throat> And he says, to look for hip, how does one recognize potential hip locations? Well, apply the principles discussed above in reverse, you know? Yeah. Where would you put your hip units? And he says, don't let that dominate your concerns. Don't be overcautious. 
Don't forget to use half squads to search. Don't forget mopping up and searching. Uh, searching, he thinks, is underrated and underused technique. The costs are few, and the results can be valuable. One of the advantages is that a unit can move, then search. Yeah. And use white phosphorus to toss into places to search for them. And that oh. wraps it up. Which gets you to this one. A very, very long, in-depth article uh, discussing and, the British. And that's part two by yeah. Charles Marcus. Yeah. But good reading, but it was uh, tough. Yeah, you're not a fan of these articles, I don't think, as much. I liked this one, actually. I thought this one was pretty good. Yeah, reading the pros and cons, the strengths of the British. Different traits. So pretty much more historical. Yeah. Very kind of, you know, Did you make I, it through it all? Or? Not all of it, but you know, I read some parts about you know early on in the war, how they viewed tank warfare, how they sort of... Uh, eschewed the use of tanks but hmm. obviously that they learned very quickly that that wasn't the wise thing to do but yeah a lot of uh, good history in that and a tip from the trenches Ooh. don't let your opponent intensive fire his gun if it's marked with a final fire counter both A3.4 and A8.4 are pretty clear units marked final cannot fire in the defensive fire phase there yeah. Yeah, here's the tank doctrine on that. And it gets you to feline onboard artillery. The last page. Yes. This was an interesting article about the use of the uh catashas. Some <laughs> cats for shorts. Catushas. Catushas? It's the the Russian Guns that go fire the rockets going. Oh, really? Those were the Katusha rockets. They are the Katushas. Really? This is spelled with a C instead of a K. Uh, that's why, right from the get go, I was lost on this article. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't fool you like the lightning one? No, no, it didn't. But I'll uh, cover a few of the rules. Sure. House rules. And it, it's talking about these Katushas, which are cats for short. Rules about the cats. House rules. Where present, a cat always rules the house. Ask anyone who is owned by a cat. There are no exclusions or possible QA for this rule. Hip concealment. Cats are always uh, cats always set up hip, regardless of terrain. They are kind of sneaky. Yeah. Area target type. Players who suffer from allergies to cats Ooh, it's me. must take an immediate TC, which is a tickle check. Upon entering the building, and each turn they remain therein. Failure of this tickle check results in an uncontrollable sneezing fit, and their eyes are marked with a flame. Patsy. Players who pass their Patsy, the pre-arrival antihistamine taking check, are immune to the effects of F3.1, which is the one I just read, but suffer an immediate reduction in ELR which is their energy level rating because hmm. of the antihistamines. Mm -hmm. You get tired. Okay. A player who does not remain in motion is subject to a lap check. All players take a lap check with a morale of seven. Oh, the cats will jump in your lap? Yes. Uh, scenario appearance. Cats know a dog when they see one, and due to their natural enmity, will leave the players undisturbed to suffer through an entire long dog scenario. However, if the players are involved in a tense down-to-the-wire scenario, then the cat will enter the player's location and attempt to engage in close combat or counter-confusion. Now, this actually made me laugh. Okay. Uh, in OVR, if both cats are in the same location and one goes berserk, the other automatically goes berserk as well. Berserk cats have 945 movement factors <laughs> and will immediately charge the nearest BSU board setup and attempt OVR. Cats may either make successful overruns 
or form a feline wave. Overrunning cats attack with four firepower for flying paws, each with a DRM equal to the negative of the current turn number. So I thought the uh, 945 moon f- movement factors was kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, that's cats. And that's one of those joke articles. Yes. And right next to it, in the column next to it, it says wanted articles for future ASL journals. And I thought, yeah, obviously you're running out you're running out of stuff to print if you gotta print the cat rules. It's looking grim. Well it's it's cute. <laughs> Maybe better for cat owners. You and I don't have cats. We don't have cats. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I do remember players complaining about trying to keep their cats off the war game table. Really? Yes. Yeah. I would so, have no problem sure. with that. Ah, Dave. Oh, Jeff, this is fantastic. Can't believe we're here. Cuba, beautiful Cuba, Havana, the the home of Ricky Ricardo. Cuba Libre! It's beautiful here. That's what they yelled. Cuba Libre. When the Cubans gained their independence from Spain. I love just strolling the streets of Cuba. You find the most amazing stuff. Look look at this. A game store. A game store. What's that in the Look window? Is this a game on the Cuban Revolution? It's Bounding Fire Productions. ASL here in Cuba. Here in Cuba. Thanks, Obama, for opening up the trade with Cuba. Wonder which came first, Obama or Bounding Fire? Oh. They may have opened the door to this whole new era. They have all these great Bounding Fire products. It's great. They've got Into the Rubble. Into the Rubble, too. Into Havana. Into Havana, also. Crucible of steel. Crucible of very hot sauce. I'm loving this hot sauce. Crucible of guacamole. Telling you what. Beyond the beachhead, too. Blood and jungle. Look at this. Every single amazing Bounty Fire product. Who would think, coming all the way to Cuba, we would find all this great ASL stuff? Wow. I know what I'm going to be spending my money on. I'm taking back all these stinking cigars. <laughs> I'm going to take me home some Bounding Fire. And you know, and if, if they charge for these games by the pound, these Bounding Fire products would be the most expensive. But they're not. This is an amazing bargain for your, for your money. And you know what the truth is? You don't have to go to Cuba to get Bounding Fire Productions products. How can we get them, Jeff? Just go to BoundingFire.com. Tell them the two half squads sent you. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. I won't get to fire today. We'll do fire next time. Sure. Give us something to look forward to. Episode 181. Yeah. Always great to see you, Dave. Good to see you, Jeff. And thanks, everybody, for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. Thanks a lot, everyone. Remember to roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You crazy hippies. should be playing ASL.